Yeah, good morning. I'm Pastor Cameron. And I'm glad to be here. <laughs> Thank you. Um, haven't ministered in uh, it's been uh, over six weeks because of a little heart attack, you know. <clears throat> Completely messes up your schedule. But uh, before we begin the word, I do want to pray a dear friend, uh, friends of ours uh, and friends of many of yours, Ron and Kim Sipsick. Ron's uh, oldest daughter, uh, uh, Nicole, passed away. She had uh, health problems uh, for many years after a serious car accident 13 years ago um, in which she wasn't expected to live, but she was able to recover uh, mostly from that, but uh, <clears throat> uh, she did pass away. Uh, so could we just pray that for that family? Father, we thank you that uh, in times of grief and in times of need that you are a very present help and that we can go to you. And we pray uh, for Ron and Kim and Adam and Jake, uh, Lord, that uh, and for the rest of the family, that as they grieve the loss of their dear sister and uh, Lord, family member, God, that they would find you very close. Uh, Lord, that, uh, that you would be their comfort, even their joy as well as their hope. Uh, We just bless their family in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Yeah, the uh, message I had prepared before uh, I had the little um, uh, problem, (laughs) I uh, really wanted to share because it's it's a continuation of the mission possible, um, although it's, uh, you know, it can stand on its own. What I'm going to talk about today is is what it means to be a disciple. And the commission that Jesus left us when He ascended into heaven is that we make disciples. And so we must understand what a disciple is uh, for a couple of reasons. One, of course, you need to understand what a disciple is in order to be a disciple. You know, if you don't have a proper understanding of a disciple, you won't be able to become what Christ wants you to be nor will you be able to make disciples if you don't have a good understanding of what it means, uh, what, what the Bible means to be a disciple. So just to kind of illustrate this point, if, you know, in order to prepare the right ingredients for something, you need to, you need to know what outcome you want. All right? If you want to make a pie, maybe you'll start with some pie filling right? and a pie crust. So, and you put them together, she's going, nah, fresh fruit, I know, there's a better way to make it. If you want to make a cake, it's an easy illustration, I'm not going to pull out all the flour. If you want to make a cake, get a cake box. <laughs> this is good. I know how to make a cake from scratch. So anyway, <clears throat> no box included. And, uh, you know, if you want to make a cake, you're not going to go buy this and a pie crust, because it won't turn out to be a cake. Right? If you want to make a pie, you don't try to make this into a pie. Right? Because it won't work. In other words, you choose your ingredients by what you want the end product to turn out. Okay? Say I was going to make a pie, a a nice cherry pie, and I grab out of the cupboard a can of tuna. Hey, we'll throw that in there. Can you think of it? Cherry pie with chunks of tuna. Yeah, let's think of that. <laughs> That's not healthy. Yeah, get some omega threes. Come on. A cake with tuna sprinkled on the top. 
Instead of milk, use tuna, use tuna juice. No, <laughs> no, we don't want that. We want, a, we want a real pie. Yeah, this is a homemade pie. We're going to be selling these at the bake sale. Ah, <clears throat> that's a cherry pie. The apple pies back there. The apple pies are totally from scratch. Fresh, fresh apples cut up. So <clears throat> the idea is, in order to have, in order to include the right ingredients, you need to have a clear understanding of the end product. And the same is true with the disciple. So uh, we need to have a vision or an understanding of what it means to be a disciple, so that we put the right ingredients into place in our lives or into the lives of those that we are discipling. How you define a disciple will determine your approach and method of making a disciple and also how you train yourself up and how you grow as a Christian. Jesus said to the Pharisees, He says, Woe to you, scribes and pardon me. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte or convert. And when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourself. Don't you love how Jesus was gracious and gentle in his communication? You know, uh, he was straightforward. He says, you, you travel the whole earth to make a disciple and you make him twice the son of hell as you are. In other words, your whole process, what you're going for is wrong. You've got it all backwards. And he confronted them on that. And so how we make disciples is really a reflection of what we believe uh, a disciple is or what discipleship is supposed to produce. And if we fail, uh, a failure in discipleship is usually because it's a quote from a book. When a discipleship process fails, many times a fatal flaw is that the definition of disciple is either unclear, unbiblical, or not commonly shared. And it's from a book called Wiki Church by Steve Merle. And it's, uh, I highly recommend the book. It's an ex- excellent book, Wiki Church. And uh, we want to have a clear, biblical, and commonly shared understanding of what a disciple is. And so that's what I want to share today is, is New Day's definition of a disciple so that you can... Uh, know where you fit in and, and how you can begin to work toward the process of doing the one thing that Christ told the church to do before He left, and that was to make disciples. So there's three, basically, there's three things that make a uh, disciple. The first is a call to follow Jesus. Next slide. There you go. Discipleship is following Jesus. Following Jesus means that we believe His words, imitate His character. There's a fly up here. (laughs) And obey His commands. We believe His words, imitate His character, and obey His commands. That's That's a good word right there. We follow Him. We pattern our life after Him. We really believe what He says. We imitate His character. We reproduce the character of Jesus Christ that we see depicted in Scripture and that we, that we learn as we interact with the Holy Spirit, as, as the Holy Spirit reveals Christ to us. We, we take His character upon us. And we obey 
His commands. We learn what God is calling us to uh, live, and then we do it. Simple as that. It's simple, but it's not necessarily easy. Eh? It's very straightforward. Jesus said in Matthew 16:24, He said to His disciples, If anyone desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. So Christ, uh, when He was evangelizing, if you would, uh, if you want to use that term, when He was talking to people who were not currently uh, following Him or not currently in His church or, 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 or uh, yet to adapt His lifestyle to become a follower of Christ, this is what He said. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Me. And it's interesting that in today's Christianity, and, and not just in the church, but outside of the church, uh, the idea of becoming a Christian has become very vague. And, uh, and it's unclear. And we, and we don't have a good grasp on how to communicate, well, what really makes a Christian? And I'm telling you, Christ was very clear. He's like, follow Me. Do the things I do. Say the things I say. Live your life as though how I live my life. Follow me. Don't just be a fan, but be a follower. I'm going to say it later. I'm jumping ahead. <laughs> um, and, and following Jesus, in other words, uh, when Jesus is going a particular way, and that can be in a, in a thought pattern, in a, in a doctrine, in an understanding, in a way of interacting with people, and a, 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 you know, you can apply it in many, many different aspects of your life. Following Christ, part of that includes denying yourself. Right, that means that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Now, you get off the throne, not that you ever were sitting on it. You, you yield to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and you become one who follows Him. And so your passion and your purpose in life is to keep your eyes focused on the person of Jesus Christ and as best as you can to stay, stay tracking with Him through the course of your life so that you can reproduce, imitate His character in your day, in your life, in your setting. In Luke 6.46, Jesus puts it very frankly to His disciples. And these, he was talking to the guys that had been around Him for a while. He said, Why do you call Me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Can you, I, I just, man, I would love to see Jesus' expression on His face. Like what tone of voice? So why do you call me Lord, Lord? And you don't do what I say. I don't think he did that. I can hardly do it. You know, I think it was a little more emotive. Why are you calling me Lord, Lord? You don't even do what I say. What are you missing? What, what does Lord mean to you? <laughs> can, I, can I look at your dictionary? 
Because it seems different than mine. This is Jesus. Can you imagine Jesus Christ? You know, you wake up, boom, Jesus Christ appears in your room. Glory! You know, you're... Uh, there's a vision. The room is bright. It's the middle of the night, but the room is bright. And you see a vision of Jesus. And you're, oh, and you're like, yes, Lord. And He looks at you and said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. coming. There's going to be a day we all stand before Him and give account. Okay, let's read the rest of this. It says, verse 47 through 49, Whoever comes to Me and hears My saying and does them, I will show you whom He is like. He's like a man building a house who dug, a deep, uh, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, a stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was uh, was great. Calling Jesus Lord is not enough. Confession without obedience is deception. Right? Many will come in that day, calling me Lord, and I will say, I never knew you. They may have known him, but he didn't know them. They heard about him, but they never had a relationship. They weren't following. He was over here and they were over there because they weren't following. Discipleship is, uh, so there's a big emphasis in, in Christ's teaching here on the actions we do. Belief is important. Understanding truth is important. But that must be translated into action. You know, it needs to be reproduced into our lifestyle so that God, as well as others, see in you the character of Christ being reproduced. And discipleship is about learning this, uh, learning from other disciples as we follow Christ together. Jesus said, follow me. And it's interesting that Paul, two different places, but this one in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So Paul repeats the same call. And I believe that this is a much more biblical uh, uh, way to present the Gospel then, you know, the four spiritual laws, or you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Right? You need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is nowhere in the Scripture. Right? But follow me as I follow Christ is in Scripture. And Jesus said, follow me. So in other words, I'm challenging you to be the kind of Christian that you can go up to an unbeliever and say, if you want to have a strong, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ and you want to live eternally with Him in the resurrection, then follow me. Learn from me and my friends. And, you'll, and, and, and also, this is another key a part of it, is lead someone else. It's connected. Right? 
follow me. So we learn in relationship with others. Um, And I truly believe, and this is a quote, anyone, I would say everyone, can disciple others as long as he or she is sincerely endeavoring to follow Christ. In other words, you don't have to be attain some certain level of maturity or uh, 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 Christian status before you can begin to influence someone else's life. You can do it immediately. I was so blown away yesterday at the worship arts uh, uh, celebration festival thing. They had uh, uh, preaching. I was one of the judges of the young preachers, and I think two of them had been saved for only nine months. And they were up preaching. Like, wow. And they did a great job. They were already leading others. And that's uh, the truth. That As Christians, we are to disciple. If we're not discipling someone else in some form, then you're not really following Christ. And you're not a disciple. Let me explain that, (laughs) if it needs it. Because you can't follow Christ and not disciple others because Christ is leading others. Are you hearing me? If He says, follow me, imitate me, and what He's doing is gathering people to follow Him, that's the first thing you need to do. Say, hey, let's go this way. Follow me. That's imitating Christ. <clears throat> and the very word disciple means to teach. Alright? Disciples are to teach as well as to learn. Uh, <clears throat> you need to be involved. Now, you may, you may do that as a parent to your children, but you also need to do it in other contexts. You may do it... You know, to people you are co-workers with, people at the market, people in Sunday school, find some way to share what you know about God and, and faith to someone else, and it'll make you a disciple. That's so important. Number two is disciple. So the first one is disciples follow Jesus. Can't can't diminish it at all. You have to follow Jesus. Second one is that you fish for people. Second thing is that you fish for people. Jesus' first words in the book of Matthew. And his last words are about fishing for people or drawing people into relationship. Uh, Jesus, when he first called his disciples in Matthew 4:19, said, "Follow me, and I will make uh, uh, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." He came up to fishermen and he spoke in words they understood. He said, "Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." Right in his opening call. He included the aspect of drawing others into the kingdom. Not just them. Follow me and you'll live eternally with me in heaven. That's not what he said. Follow me and you'll be saved from your sin. He didn't say that. Follow me and you'll you'll be happy. He'll die as a martyr. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And their response was they dropped what they were doing and followed him. They left their family business and followed them. Matthew 28.19, his last words, says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Following Jesus uh, does not mean that we avoid contact with non-Christians. All right? Because that's not what Jesus did. He was a friend of sinners. Jesus actually sought out 
relationship with the people who weren't already following him. All right? He sought that out. He went to the he, he he saw people that were not living godly and said, Can I come over to your house for dinner tonight? Because he wanted the opportunity to speak into their lives. Alright? So following Jesus means the intentionally fish to be looking out. He looked for tax collectors and sinners. He wasn't, you know, afraid of them. Tax collectors and sinners. I guess that would include both Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> Sorry. That's as political as I get in sermons right there, baby. (laughs) All right, now this doesn't mean we become less Christ-like because we associate with uh, non-Christians or or people living a a worldly life. Uh, Jesus didn't. Jesus did not sin. He didn't compromise His behavior to accommodate sinners. Never. He lived in a way that drew the sinners into a life like His. He never swore to win those who swear. He never stole something to win those who were thieves. He never lied to win those who were trapped in lying. He never hated to win those who hated. He never lusted to win those who lusted. No, he lived a lifestyle that demonstrated that they could be free from all of those bondages. And people were drawn to it. And the same will be true today. I'm telling you. People are hungry to find freedom. Matthew 5.16, Jesus puts it this way, Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Don't think that I've come to destroy the law of the prophets. I've not come to destroy but to fulfill... For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until it's all fulfilled. In other words, there's nothing in this book that gets erased. It's all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, this is Jesus talking, shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. Whatever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness Righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The deal with the Pharisees is that they were just outwardly uh, ad- uh, adhering to r- rules and regulations. They weren't inwardly uh, in right relationship with God. And they weren't doing it for the right re- uh, reasons. Jesus said we need to be right on the inside. And from that inside transformation, our outward behavior should reflect that inside transformation. Next thing is that it's a mistake to separate evangelism and discipleship. This was a radical idea, uh, uh, I thought, in, a, in the book Wiki Church, and, and really the big idea that I think that whole book has, although it's not presented in the book as the big idea, I think it's one of his most uh, 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 insightful ideas, is that evangelism and discipleship really are one. But we think of them as separate things. We think that we need to win someone into uh, Christ, convince them that Jesus is true, and then discipleship just happens as they as a, uh, you know, grow in Christ and learn, learn truths and learn the basics. And actually, it's often the other way around. Sometimes people need to learn quite a bit 
before they get to the place where they can accept Christ. Alright? You know, they may not even be saved yet. You just start teaching them the truths. Jesus would just teach. He'd teach the truths. And He would call people to follow Him. Simple as that. Uh, When we separate... This is a quote from the book. When we separate the Siamese twins of evangelism and discipleship, we kill both. The biblical starting point of discipleship is evangelism. And the whole point of evangelism is making disciples. So I believe that we need to learn to integrate both. And I've even heard this amongst Christians who've been saved for a long time, that sometimes we have to evangelize our heart. You know, there's, there's parts of our lives that are yet submitted to the Lord Jesus, and we need to preach the Gospel to ourselves. Well, that's just another way of saying that evangelism, uh, uh, drawing ourselves more fully into the uh, uh, Lordship of Jesus Christ and discipleship, understanding what that means, are really one process. Don't separate them uh, but combine them. If you are sharing the gospel with someone, it's your responsibility to also teach them or to make sure they get plugged into a community where they will learn. And maybe they need to get plugged into a community where they can learn truths before they're ready to make that commitment. Are you hearing me? Yeah. All right, good. <laughs> There'll be a test. Number three, discipleship is a call to fellowship. So the first is it's a call to follow. The second is it's a call to fish. That means you're intentionally looking for non-Christians to engage with, to draw in, to relationship, to disciple, to lead closer to Christ. You're, you're, you're finding ways, and it's tough. I've been a Christian for over 30 years. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years. in church leadership for over 25 years. pastor for over 20 years. And, and our lives get insulated. So I have to really work on how can I connect with non-believers. And I have to be ready. Because you never know when the opportunity is. A few weeks ago, a clerk in a store was, I was asking him for something, and there was an opportunity, and I was just right there. You know, I had to be open and share with him. I could tell something was going on. I ended up praying for him in the aisle in Walmart. Yeah, it was great. He was like shaking. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't do that every day, but we need to be open for opportunities. The third one is discipleship is a call to fellowship. Uh, in Matthew 4.18, you know, when Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, shortly after He calls James and John, I'm going to read this, 18-22, through 22, Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. <laughs> And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Same scripture we read earlier. Then immediately they left their uh, nets and followed him. Going from, on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, and the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending the nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. And so we see right from the beginning, it was a, it was a group. He called people together and called them into a relationship with others uh, as they followed Him. Having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is essential. But that relationship was never intended to be private. Personal, yes. Private, no. Religion is to be personal, yes. Private, no. Right? 
There's a, the, the world is screaming, religion is to be a private thing. That's not true. In fact, it's the most dangerous thing you can imagine. Private religion will lead to cults. Okay? You put walls around a, 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 a community of faith so nobody can see it, and I guarantee you, after a generation, it'll be corrupt as it can be. It'll be really bad. And we see it in the news from time to time. And you should know what I'm talking about. When people hide, pretty soon they're doing really detestable things in the name of religion. Why? Because religion is not to be private. It's to be public, but personal. Personal, but open. We do it in community, and we do it openly. Does that make sense? We're called to be members of one another. Jesus rarely interacted with His disciples one-to-one unless He was rebuking them. Come on. But we all think that, oh, it's that one-on-one interaction with Jesus. You know, that's, it's kind of like that's the idea when I meet, when I hear Jesus' voice personally. Rather than, oh, how can the whole church hear Jesus' voice? Or how as a, as a group can we, can we know the will of God? No, we're, we're wanting a personal one-on-one time. You read the Gospels. See what he said to individual Christians. Like when he put, pulled Peter aside and said, you devil, quit resisting me. Am I changing your paradigm? <laughs> no. James and John together. right? Peter, Andrew, let's get together. Okay, because following me means you've got to work together. And I know you guys are loud mouths. And you, you, know, you just go off and do whatever you want. And Andrew, you're always there. You're quiet, but you're, you're dependable. And it's a, <clears throat> it's a wacky group, but you're going to change the world. As soon as I die and get out of here. <laughs> If your expectation is one-on-one care, then you're not thinking biblically. You need to be in a group learning, and you need to be drawing others intentionally into that group. That's leading. That's what discipleship is. Thank you. Sunday morning, this is discipleship because we're in a group setting learning. Okay, dwell Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening with the young adult crowd. That's a group learning. Sunday school right now, they're in groups learning. Youth group, they get together as a group, they learn. Life groups, another opportunity to learn. And we're working on ways to develop a discipleship process where you can get together with one or two or three other people and learn and go deeper. That's essential. Yes, personal devotion time is is important. It develops your personal... it, It develops something so you have something when you get to that group to share. But if you're not doing... Leading others in, then you're only getting half of the equation. You're only getting, you know, the, the filling without the crust, or the crust without the filling, whatever. <clears throat> it won't turn out to be a nice uh, uh, disciple the way God intends it to be. Alright? Finally, <clears throat> uh, discipleship is relationship. It's about building three key relationships. One with God, that's the follow. With Jesus Christ and the Father and the Holy Spirit, we follow God. The second relationship is with non-Christians. That's the fish aspect of it. All right. So, and the third relationship is with believers. That's the fellowship. 
It's all about discipleship is relationship. It's not learning just information. It's taking that information and integrating it into relationship with God, relationship with non-Christians, and relationship with uh, uh, fellow believers. And I challenge you to evaluate yourself uh, in these three areas. How is your relationship with God? Are, are you really following Christ? Or are you just that fan? that admires Christ, but not actually living your life by walking the walk that He did and the walk that He's calling into you. How is your relationship with non-believers? Are you engaging others in your community to the point that it makes a difference? When's the last time you prayed with a non-Christian? When's the last time you spoke to someone that you know, isn't a Christian about, and you use the name Jesus Christ? Not as a curse word. You know, when's the last time you shared a Bible verse with someone that you know isn't a Christian? Do you get more excited when you find out a new co-worker is not a Christian than that they're already a spirit-filled, on-fire Christian? Because if they're already spirit-filled, on-fire Christian, you know, it's like, job's done. But if they're a heathen that disagrees with you about everything, that means that's a right picking fruit. Okay, how's your relationship with the body of Christ? Are you living interdependent? Another way to look at this, put up the chart. I saw this in a relational. There's an action and then there's a relational view of these three things. Following Jesus is really living the lifestyle of being adopted. We're sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And so it's, it's living that adopted lifestyle. It's living as a son. We've talked about that much around here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just hang around you'll get it. It's being a son and understanding the the love of the Father. And the action of fishing for others is adopting orphans. It's taking out of that love that we receive from the Father, we go out and find others that don't have that love and bring them into that lifestyle. It's it's finding orphans and bringing them into the family. And fellowshipping is living as one added and accepted. And Ephesians, there's a verse in Ephesians that says, Beloved... uh, uses the term beloved, <laughs> you, are, uh, you are now, uh, I didn't look it up beforehand, you have been accepted in the beloved. And that term is only used one other place in the New Testament, is in reference to Mary, uh, uh, when the angel appeared to her. And so we are accepted. We're, we're the bride of Christ. And when we fellowship with one another, we're accepted. You're accepted here. In the midst, you're accepted by the Lord, and you're added into this community, um, and that's that's what discipleship is. That's what a disciple is. That's the target. That's the goal to live all of these things. I want to see thousands of people drawn into that type of relationship, following God, fishing for people, and fellowshipping with others. And I call you to be part of that work of drawing people in. Amen. Bill. <clears throat>